Welcome to Slaughterhouse Stories. I hope you enjoy the stories I have for you tonight. Hello to all you things that go bump in the night. Hello to all you humans as well. Welcome to the show that brings you creepypastas, short scary stories, and dark horror-themed poetry from all across the world. This is the Slaughterhouse Stories Podcast, Episode 32, New Love. I'm your host and narrator, Ghost Train, telling you to lock your doors, get under your blanket, and keep the lights on. You can follow me on Twitter at iced underscore demon or on Instagram at slaughter underscore house underscore stories, and discuss all things spooky with me. Also, you can write in and have your email read on the show. Email slaughterhousestoriespodcast at gmail.com with creepy positive requests, or your own real-life paranormal encounters. Before we get to tonight's first story, I'd like to ask you a favor. If you're enjoying the show, please head over and leave a review through iTunes, and help spread the word to your friends, family, the skinwalker that wants your skin, whomever. Tell them, be a listener, not a victim. Now, let's get spooky. To start us off tonight is a story about a teenager who moves into a new house, and after a few months is disturbed by what his father tells him is the cat tapping. As the tapping is happening more and more often, is it really the cat, or is something else going on? Find out as you settle in and listen to tapping and knocking. When I was around 13, I moved into a relatively large house in a small neighborhood. My room was on the second story, and I had a window that was almost completely hidden by the high headboard of my bed. I say almost completely hidden, because about a quarter of it could be seen above the headboard. I was, and still am, really paranoid about people watching me, so I'd feel really uncomfortable at night while on my computer, even though it seemed impossible for someone to look into a window several feet off the ground. Whenever the thought would come into my head, I would take the pillows from my bed and put them on top of the headboard to cover the window. After a few months of living there, I would sometimes hear tapping. It was as if someone was knocking on wood. At first, it was one or two knocks, but after a while it would be three or four knocks. It didn't happen very often, but it always happened late at night. I told my father, the only other person that lived in the house, but he would always dismiss it as the cat. After enough convincing, I decided that it was probably the cat. After a year passed, with the tapping happening every other day or so, my cat passed away. It was sad, because I had her since she was just a kitten, and her passing was very unexpected. She was an indoor cat, and somehow managed to get outside. We thought she'd just run away at first, but after a week of searching we found her. She had been killed by what we assumed was a dog or other wildlife creature. I didn't hear the tapping after my cat died, so that comforted me, in that I knew it was indeed her who was doing it, or so I thought. After around a month, I heard the tapping again. This time, it wasn't the scent of wood, it was the scent of someone tapping my window. 
I was facing the computer and facing away from the almost covered window. So hearing that tapping and hearing it so clearly, I didn't really know what to do. I ran out of the room and told my dad. He came into my room and looked out the window to find nothing. I couldn't sleep for the rest of the night. Or rather, I wouldn't sleep. We moved out a few weeks later, due to my father being promoted and needing to move closer to his work. The worst part about the whole thing is that I recently found out that the people that moved into our house after us were murdered in the house during the night. Their killer was apparently an old neighbor that broke into our room via the window. According to my father, who's relaying this news to me, the killer's house has several pictures of our house inside it. The pictures dated back to around 2006, when we still lived in the house. How unfortunate. It looks like they got out just in time. At least a neighbor didn't have to wait long to satisfy his murderous urges. Still, talk about the one that got away. Next time, human. Next time. Let's move on from one teenager who sadly got away to another who finds himself in a loop every time he falls asleep. With the nightmare getting longer, more vivid, and more dangerous each time he falls asleep, will this nightmare ever end? Will he wake and find himself safe and sound, and just the victim of a lucid dream? Try to stay awake so you can find out and listen to Endless Nightmare. I was walking home one day from school as usual, but when I reached my neighborhood, nothing was right. Nothing was where it should be. I was caught in a maze, an endless maze in my own neighborhood. I was there for days, yet no one was there. The shadows, the darkness kept growing, coming closer, consuming. I awoke from this dream, no, this nightmare all the time. I woke last time, shrouded by darkness, gazing at the vague outline of my room. I didn't want to close my eyes. I didn't want to sleep in fear that the nightmare would return. However, I did sleep and the nightmare did return like it always does. This has been happening for so long, I don't remember when it started. I do remember, however, that I was young. I was in elementary school, third grade, I think, back when I was able to return home. But the maze kept getting more complicated. When it started that I couldn't return home, I could at least get out of the maze. That changed as well, though. I couldn't get out the way I entered, but there was another exit. The road leading into my neighborhood is shaped like a U. Although that changed as well, and I couldn't leave. For a brief period of time after that, one or two weeks, I could return home. But it was pointless, because there was nothing inside. It was just empty. One thing I noticed about this dream is that the more complicated the maze became, the more the darkness grew. And the more the darkness grew, I would feel a sense of dread and despair, growing stronger and stronger. As this went on, I also got a feeling like something was slowly creeping up on me. Now let me tell you about the last time I had this dream. It started like it always does, with me walking home. But strangely enough, I could find my way home. I opened the door, and inside everything was where it should be, which I found very strange. I explored my home, going into every room, with a few irregularities here and there, the number of which grew as I kept roaming. I eventually came across a door to the basement. 
which I found really strange, since there isn't a basement in my house. I descended down into the basement, and when I got there, it was empty. The only peculiar thing was that the walls were dark red, instead of the usual concrete gray that you see. It started to feel like something was following me. This both annoyed me and creeped me out. I got out of the basement and I walked around a bit more until I came across the staircase. I found this odd as well, since there isn't a second floor in my house. I decided to go up the stairs, and as I reached the top of the stairs, it felt like there was something right behind me. I turned around, and to my relief, there was nothing there. I checked all the rooms upstairs, and much like the basement, there was nothing in them. I went back downstairs, and after deciding I had enough, and that I was really creeped out, I went to the front door. I opened the door, and as I stepped outside, I woke up. I've been up for a few days now. I don't want to know what would happen if I fall asleep again. I don't want to be caught in that nightmare again. Stupidly though, I got up and took sleeping pills. It's three in the morning, and my eyelids are feeling heavy, closing every now and then. My head is thrown downwards, only for me to rise it back up again, until my eyes stayed shut and my head is thrown down along with my body. I'm walking home from school, and I've reached my neighborhood. I'm lost and confused, not knowing where I am in the neighborhood. As I walk in my neighborhood, I eventually find my house. I opened the door and walked in. As I walked in, everything was where it should be. Nothing was out of place. I went down the hallway, leading to my bedroom, and as I went to open the door, I found myself staring down the hallway. I tried a few more times, but in vain. I decided to go into my mom's office, which is right next to my room. I turned on the lights, and again nothing was out of place. I walked over to the door to the bathroom, and I opened it. Inside, the floor was drenched in blood, and on the toilet seat was a decapitated head. I exited the room. My stomach was feeling sick. After that, I tried going into my dad's office but it was locked, so I went to my parents' bedroom. On the way, I noticed blood splatter throughout the living room. I entered my parents' bedroom, and I walked over to their bed. I looked over, and saw two corpses in the bed. I turned around, and headed to the door, when I saw two more corpses. They were moving, crawling towards me. I ran out, and slammed the door behind me. I headed towards the living room again. As I got back to the living room, I went to get the keys to my dad's office since I know where they are. Before I went back to my dad's office, I went to try and get into my room again. I reached to open the door, and it actually opened this time. Inside, there were limbs scattered everywhere, and there was a skull on the bed. I closed the door and headed to my dad's office. I opened the door and slammed it shut right after. Inside there was a decaying corpse hanging from a noose. The smell of tomain came through from the other side. I ran to the door. I opened the door and walked outside. As soon as I closed the door behind me, the darkness had encompassed everything. I stared into the void for two minutes, and then I saw movement. I couldn't see what it was, but I could see movement, and it appeared to come towards me. I turned to open the door behind me, but it wouldn't move. I turned back around to make a run for it, and as I did, I felt claws tearing into my skin, slashing downwards, shredding my flesh. I woke up shredded by darkness, looking at the vague outline from my room. I looked over to check the time. The light from my clock seemed dimmer than usual. It was 4am, 
I put my hand to my chest, and I felt a warm liquid flowing from it. It's okay, human. Just fall asleep a few more times, and I promise it'll all be over soon. At least this flesh bag won't be getting away from the constantly encroaching darkness, looking to consume him. While we wait for the darkness to consume you, let me give you my recommendation for this week. This week we are going back into the music world. This is the first King Diamond album I ever listened to, and it's still a favorite of mine. A concept album about a man who visits a Christmas puppet show in Budapest that changes his life forever. From the incredibly realistic look of the puppets, to meeting the love of his life afterwards, he knew magic was in the air this night. Now it happens just one year later. Pick up a copy of the album and find out for yourself. If you're into metal music and haven't before, please check out The Puppet Master by King Diamond. Now that I've given you this week's recommendation, let's take a trip down to open mic night at Beazel Pub. Welcome, fiends, to open mic night at Beazel Pub, where we invite you to sit right here and go into the more poetic side of fear, homes of murder, creatures, and ghosts, all the things that scare you the most. This week at the pub, we start with a poem by the Toxin about someone constantly hiding from something that is hunting them, a game of hide-and-seek that they can never seem to win. But this hunter is not what you think. And we finished the night with someone locked away in a mental hospital. And how they long to be free of the cell. Ride the verses and let the rhymes take hold of you. And enjoy It Found Me Again and The Color of Insanity. It's been a month since it last found me. It found me hiding in the corner of my closet. I think it's finally gone, but I always assumed that and I'm always wrong. It's constantly searching, waiting for me to reach my lowest, and I want it to find me. I walk home from school feeling depressed and pathetic. I found out that I had failed four of my classes. I might have to be held back a year. All of my friends have left me, because I don't do what they do, but they don't know about it. I get home and my parents are still fighting. I don't know what it's about. I stopped caring long ago. As I dump my school bag on the floor of my room, my arm starts to itch. My arm itching is a warning sign that it's near. It's come back to finish what it started. I try to focus on positive things, but I know that in the back of my mind it will do no good. It has razored metal claws and a thin, cold body. It grabs my arm with one claw and pulls me close to it. I try to look away, but its eyes are so seductive. I know, deep down... Under all that shame, beneath the lie, the lie that I don't want it, the truth is, I need it. I want to feel that cold needle pierce my skin, and the drug coursing through my veins again. I might try and hide from it again, but I know that the needle will find me once more. The color of insanity is the one that colors me. White for the color of this cell. Black for the darkness of this hell. 
Blue for the sky I shall never see again. Red for the bane they say I am. They say I am mad. They say I am disturbed. But I am not perturbed. And I am not sad. For the color of insanity is not a sad color indeed. They say I have a psychosis. That is their diagnosis. I am schizophrenic. I don't think that this is authentic. They are all fools. Loud, bombastic, and crude. They only do it for money. Though if you think about it, it is actually pretty funny. They pump me full of whatever drug that they think will make the most money. How funny. How funny. If I were not trapped in this damnable cell. If I were not trapped in this white padded hell. I would teach them a thing or two. Oh, if only they knew. If only they knew. You see, a friend I have. A security guard with a funny hat. He snuck me in a knife, you see. The doctor asked me why I was so happy. That was when I showed him why. That was when I cut out his lies. I escaped the white padded hell. I am free from that damnable cell. So I write this now, being hunted down. They search for me with gusto. There is something they must know. When they open that bloody door, the bomb there will blow their brains all over the floor. That poor addict, stuck in that game of hide-and-seek with an unseen monster. I wonder if he'll ever get away. And bravo to you, you crazy person. You would not be shackled and stopped by the humans who couldn't understand you. You are a true inspiration. Now you get out there and keep that killing spree going. As for you humans, while you leave the pub and hope you don't encounter the escaped crazy person, let's move into the last story of the night and revisit the Newcastle Chronicles. This month, we find our old stalker friend, Peter, struggling. Lucy, the love of his life, has finally run out of time. Her head must be buried, and poor Peter doesn't know what to do without her. Until a year later, when he finally meets someone he can love again. Unfortunately for him, something is standing between him and the love he's been longing for. That's when he reaches out to the boss for help. How does the story end? Does he get the girl in the end? Find out while listening to this heartwarming love story, written by this spooky motherfucker, Ghost Train. Please enjoy New Love. It's been so hard for me lately. Lucy, the one I thought was the love of my life, can no longer be the woman I want her to be. Her head is decomposed to the point that it's borderline disgusting to kiss her. I do it because I love her, but I don't know how much longer I can. It's clear the time has come for us both to move on, for me to figuratively and literally bury this relationship, and for her to finally rest. But how? How can I ever hope to find a woman like her? I just... I can't. It's been a year now since I buried Lucy, and I have yet to find anyone like her. Sure, I've dated, killed, and fucked, but it hasn't been the same. Not the same passion, the same beauty, or the same connection. I just, I don't know if I'll ever find anyone like that. Wait, who is that? I've been sitting outside the Planet Fitness looking for a new victim, but have I just found my new love? Look at her, that beautiful brown skin, that amazing hair. 
Those eyes, oh, her eyes. I sign up for a membership right away. Turns out the new love of my life is a personal trainer here. Zochi is her name. What a beautiful name, and it fits her. Flower. That's what she is, my beautiful flower. I sign up to have her be my trainer and book my appointment for tomorrow afternoon. I show up early so I can see when she comes in, what she does, who she talks to, but mostly just to watch her smile and watch her move. The way she moves is hypnotic, captivating, and whatever other terms that I can't think of right now, because I can't think around her. I can merely exist. This went on for weeks, making her laugh till she cried, talking during the workouts about life and how I lost my wife recently, and everything was amazing. Until I walked her to her car one day, she got in and opened the glove compartment and put her wedding ring on. How? Why? How could this be happening? Married to some unworthy, undeserving creature named Jeff Brooks. This will not stop my love. I will have her. But how? I can't do it myself. Too obvious. I need help. But how? Oh, I know what to do. I retrieved Lucy's head from where I buried it and placed it in the center of the circle as my offering to him. I can't simply reach out to Mr. Morningstar. I have to talk to him through something else. My offering is set. Candles are lit. I'm burning what needs to be burned, including the paper with my written request. And now I wait. The room plunged into darkness as the flames were extinguished, but it was different. I could feel the presence of Dagon. Thank you for coming, I said to him. He knows what you're asking for. He's sending help for your problem, the demon said to me. Thank you, Dagon. Thank you, Jesus. Honor the Son and serve the Father. Forever shall we serve. A week later, my prayer was answered. Hello? Hello, this is Paul from 93.3 WMMR. Who's this? Uh, this is Jeff. Jeff, do I have some news for you? We are doing this contest where we pick a random number and call it. And if the person that answers is willing to FaceTime and give us their best scream with the devil horns raised, they will win tickets to see either Avatar or Dream Theater or Megadeth and Lamb of God. What do you say? What? That's amazing. Yes, let's do this. And Jeff hits the button to FaceTime and was ready to scream, but not for concert tickets. But because of the cloudy eyes, the face with chunks missing from it, and those monstrous looking teeth. And Jeff could see his own painted walls behind this ghoulish sight and slowly turned around to find Paul looking at him. Paul quickly grabbed Jeff by the throat and lifted him off the ground, leaning in close so Jeff could smell his erotic breath. Don't worry, your wife will be fine. And those are the last words Jeff heard before Paul rammed his hand into his chest and pulled out his heart. Watching it beat as Paul raised it to his mouth and began to bite into it. My poor Zochi. My poor flower. I hate to see you crying. I hate it even more knowing it's my fault. But here at the cemetery with you, your head on my shoulder, the one you've soaked with your tears as they lower your heartless husband into the ground. I know the pain we both feel is only temporary. Nothing is in our way now. We can be together. We will be together. And as for this preacher that I helped her find for the services, he was perfect. I knew it when he ended the prayer to our Lord and Savior Jesus with the words, Honor the Son and serve the Father. And he looked right at me for the response. Forever 
shall we serve. Peter, you lucky, lucky man. Jesus' morning star came through for you in a big way. Now Paul gets a new victim to satisfy his hunger, and you get the love you've been looking for. I think that's a win for everyone. And remember, Peter, forever shall we serve. Now, I believe that is enough scares for this week. I hope you will join me again next week for more stories that are sure to keep you afraid during the day and awake at night. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed the stories I had for you tonight. And until next time... Stay spooky.